This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, January 19th, 2021. I'm Caleb Brown. The Biden administration appears serious about expanding legal immigration. Alex Narasta directs immigration studies at the Cato Institute. He details what we know about the plan, which includes a legalization for many millions of immigrants currently in the U.S. illegally and a potential path to citizenship. It was at least a little surprising to me, given uh, what you've told me, Alex, what uh, your colleague David Beer has told me, that immigration didn't really necessarily shape up to be one of those issues that was going to be front and center for uh, the Biden administration. But uh, he has made an announcement. Some reporters have seen the relevant documents. So what is he planning to do with uh, immigration early in his administration. According to the reports we've seen, the Biden administration is planning on submitting a comprehensive immigration reform bill to Congress in its first or second day in office. This is a bill that would increase border security, legalize almost all illegal immigrants in the United States currently, and expand lawful immigration in some categories. Some of the details of this plan are obviously sketchy. The last immigration reform bill introduced in 2013 was over a thousand pages. So the devil is certainly in the details when it comes to this. And we are just going off summaries by reporters. Uh, But it seems like a fairly ambitious plan and sort of definitely more in a pro-immigration direction than the 2013 bill. Okay. So uh, if we understand as our former colleague Dan Griswold liked to say, thinking of immigration as a three-legged stool or immigration policy as a three-legged stool, let's focus on the uh, legalization of people who are here in the United States. What changes at that point? So the big difference between this and say the 2013 bill is the 2013 bill took, um, it would take over a decade for most people to get legalized. It would cost thousands of dollars in fees. And ultimately, only somewhere like 70 to 80% of them would eventually earn lawful permanent status in the United States. This bill, so far, from what we know, it would basically be eight years from legalization to citizenship if they wanted to get citizenship. They get a green card very quickly. And there don't appear to be any large fines or fees outside of the normal fees that you would pay to get a green card. So it's much more expansive than the earlier ones. It will capture, if it puts, if it's placed into effect, almost all legal immigrants, with the exception of you know criminals, national security threats, et cetera. So it's a much bigger legalization, much more similar to what the Reagan administration signed into law in 1986 with its um, Reagan amnesty. For the people who are legalized, who've been here illegally for however many years, what changes for them? So currently, they are unable to work lawfully in the United States, and they would be able to get a sort of temporary permit that would allow them to work legally in the United States. And then so long as they pay all their taxes and follow all the rules, after five years of being on that permit, they get a green card which requires, you know, some fees on their part, hundreds, some hundreds of dollars of uh, government fees that they then have to pay to get the green card, just like any green card applicant has to pay. And then after three years on that, they can, if they want, apply for citizenship. So usually you have to be on a green card for five years before you can apply for citizenship. This one has a little shorter period of time, three years. I suspect that's partly just a opening sort of bargaining tactic 
on the part of the Biden administration, but it will change basically everything for them. They will be able to live and work lawfully in the United States without fear of deportation for, say, getting a parking ticket or be or getting a traffic ticket. Um, and they will be able to travel freely in the United States. They will be get a passport to be able to travel inside and outside of the United States lawfully and be able to return. So it would be a, a life changer for these, you know, roughly 11 million illegal immigrants in the United States who would benefit from this. So what kind of work are those people doing right now? The best evidence we have comes from surveys done by the uh, Pew Research Center and their analysis of census data. So when they conduct, when the census and the American Community Survey, which is sort of the annual census, um, when they conduct their uh, surveys, they try to survey a vast pool of people, a large number of people, and they assume that some of those people in there are illegal immigrants, and they try to identify them based on their answers. So you get sort of a rough approximation of what they do. Uh, the vast majority, about half of these folks are high school dropouts. They have about an 80% labor force participation rate, which is very high. It's much higher than native-born Americans, uh, where it's in the sort of low to mid-60s, and it's more than double what it is for high school dropouts in the United States. And they typically work in lower-skilled occupations, such uh, as uh, construction and agriculture and retail and manufacturing and food service and preparation. Uh, they're also more likely to be entrepreneurs, so to start small businesses. Uh, these aren't businesses that are going to grow into something like Amazon, but these are sort of like you know a, a corner store, uh, a bakery, a restaurant, sort of uh, businesses like these where people can be their own bosses. What we do see is their kids do much better than they do. They assimilate very rapidly into the U.S. labor market and economy, but they themselves are typically lower skilled workers. So uh, you make note in a in a recent blog post, uh, having looked at some of the analysis and uh, detailing of the Biden plan here, you note that the Reagan amnesty uh, in 86, I believe. Mm hmm. Um, only 41% of the illegal immigrants who got a green card decided to naturalize. Now, why, why is that? And, uh, should that be, should that later rest some concerns by, uh, people who are broadly either opposed to immigration or very skeptical of it? What that means is the majority of illegal immigrants are here for economic reasons. They want a better life for themselves and their kids, and they don't really see any benefit to becoming a citizen. The main difference between being here on a green card and being a citizen is the ability to vote and the ability, if you get convicted of a crime, you can't be deported from the United States. If you're on a green card, you can be deported from that. But if you're a law-abiding person and you're not that worried about the police you know, falsely accusing you and the prosecutor is convicting you of a crime There's and you don't want to vote, there's really no reason for you to want to naturalize. So as a result, the vast majority, the majority of these people are probably not going to naturalize and become citizens. They're not going to vote in the future. They have no interest in these types of things. They're just interested in working hard, providing for their families, not getting in trouble with the law. And so these are not some sort of a fifth column of Democratic voters who are going to overturn the political institutions of the United States as much as some Democratic activists want them to be and as much as some Republican activists fear they will be. So what's the downside of what you've seen from the, the Biden plan so far? The downside is that it probably won't become law in the way that it's written. Uh, that's the major downside right now is this is there's a couple interpretations of this. One is this is sort of a starting point, a negotiation. 
We get people on board. We talk with Republicans about this. And then we see what kind of uh, compromises that we can make. Uh, this type of bill will pass the House. There's definitely won't pass the Senate. It needs 60 votes in the Senate. Uh, it's not going to get 10 Republican votes as it is. So that's a big downside of it. Uh, if it's a starting point for negotiations, though, and there are 10 Republican senators who we think can come on board if there are some changes made, um, then it could be great. But that is a very messy sausage-making process. It's hard to predict where that will go. One of the other sort of um, uh, mixed results of this is, let's say that Biden introduces this bill, it passes the House, it fails in the Senate, there's no real negotiation over it. It gives him a political excuse to do some very large executive actions um, that are likely legal, but still will be controversial. One of them would be to essentially grant every illegal immigrant a work permit by granting that person what's called temporary protected status, which means that if there's a disaster in their home country, then the government can legalize them in the United States and give them a work permit. It's not like a path to citizenship but it's a work permit. And the disaster, of course, would be COVID-19. And it is spelled out explicitly in the statute that the president can legalize uh, immigrants in the United States if there's a pandemic or an epidemic in their home country. If this is an opening tactic, it seems clear that by announcing this and presenting this so early in the administration, that this is a substantial priority. It is. The major policy priority of the Trump administration up until the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic, and, and even afterwards, I'd say is probably their number two priority, number two or three priority, has been restricting legal immigration. That has, I think, energized um, Democrats and some moderates to be very pro-immigration. A lot of sort of pro-immigration activists were very disappointed by the first term of the Obama administration. They said they wanted to do immigration reform. They really didn't do anything except vastly increase deportation rates from the United States. So I think a lot of activists and, the, and folks on the left feel burned by Obama. They don't like him for that reason. So this is Biden, I think, coming forward and saying, no, I hear you. This is a big concern. Uh, when I was in the Obama administration, we definitely messed up this priority, and I'm going to take it seriously right now. So it could also be a, a powerful signal to activists. Uh, I've talked with folks in the Obama administration, uh, and sorry, in the Biden administration about this. They are all real people who are concerned about this issue. They aren't the ones I've talked to have, are not sort of political hacks who are trying to make excuses, but they are folks who spent a lot of time criticizing Obama for his bad actions. So that gives me some kind of hope or some kind of optimism that these folks actually legitimately do care about this issue. Uh, so. The real question is whether they're going to actually push through the Senate and the Congress and do it correctly, or if they're going to rely on executive actions like most presidents seem to. Is there uh, anything from a policy matter? You said it's unlikely to pass, but in terms of downside as a matter of policy, is there anything in the analyses provided, again, noting that that nobody's seen the actual plan? Uh, is there anything as a matter of policy that you found to be bothersome? There are very few details on what they want to do to expand lawful and legal immigration to the United States. Some of the details they offer are excellent. Say so they want to increase the number of green cards for highly skilled workers. Uh, currently, for highly skilled workers, their family members, their spouses and young children, count against the worker cap. So in reality, the green cards for highly skilled workers, only half of them actually go to the workers. So that Biden plan, that would essentially double the numbers 
of highly skilled workers that could be allowed in without cutting out their families. So that would be very positive. They also want to restart the refugee and asylum systems. They want to make it easier for some family members from Central America to come in legally. But on the negative side, they don't want to increase the number of H-1B visas for temporary high-skilled workers, and they don't want to expand the number of H-2B visas for low-skilled temporary workers. And that's a problem because some of the main reasons why folks come here unlawfully is because they can't come here legally. And the only real way for low-skilled workers to come in legally are in the H-2A and H-2B visa categories. So it's a worrying sign to me that they don't want to increase those pathways, especially for folks from Central America. Presumably, that is some pushback from labor unions and other labor policy folks on the left. Yeah, presumably. So a lot of labor unions have improved their position on immigration over the last 20 or 30 years, uh, but they're very opposed to temporary workers. They're not opposed to green cards like they used to be. At least they say they aren't, but they are opposed to temporary workers. And there have been some scandals in these programs um, in the last five or 10 years. So I think this the political support for them has diminished. Now, the good thing is by increasing the number of employment-based green cards, they can take some of the pressure off of the high-skilled workers. But the main illegal immigrant flow into the United States is low-skilled workers. And if we want to get a handle on that, the number one thing that the government can do is to increase legal immigration pathways. And although the administration... Uh, the incoming Biden administration is talking about that a little bit. They're not talking about it on the scale that they need to be. Alex Narasta directs immigration studies at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast anywhere you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.